0: Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. A gay, pleasant evening for all. Oh, a word of caution. Mom or pop, go with the kids when they leave the car. We hope you have a wonderful time.
1: Welcome. Welcome,
0: welcome. welcome to the Dead Zone. Welcome back all you late night weirdos. That's Danny over there. I'm Whitney and this is the Dead Zone Screening Room. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing well. We have another movie today. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'm um, a little disappointed that this actually probably isn't a horror movie.
1: Yeah, it was definitely touted as a horror on, like, every list that I saw it on, but it's definitely not a horror. Uh, Yeah, not a horror, definitely a suspense thriller, though.
0: Yeah, so I I still think we get some good stuff out of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just wish it wasn't touted as a horror. It's even listed on IMDb as a horror. Uh, so I think if you think you're going to see horror going into this, you're going to be really disappointed. But it's not a bad movie by any means. You just got to be in the right mind for it. Yeah, definitely. Well, before we get to it, just to recap, a few months ago, Danny and I inherited a traveling drive-in theater and were told to watch horror movies of our choosing to figure out what we wanted to add to the theater's vault and what to leave behind in the dead zone. The only other rule is to never be late opening the drive-in for those who are able to find it because... Yeah, the theater moves around, it's never in the same place twice, and it's a mystery as to where it'll show up next. But if you can use your knowledge of horror and follow the clues in each episode, you might be able to figure out where the drive-in will show up next. And this month, in honor of travel and family and the start of the holidays, we are in the middle of a series we like to call Highway to Hell, where we check out horror flicks all about horrible road trips and this week we are still in the
1: australian outback and we are talking about road games this one was completely brand new to me i hadn't heard of it until we started this this series this month Yeah, I had not never heard a peep about
0: it. But like you said, it kept showing up on all these lists of like, you know, the best road trip horror and, you know, horror that takes place on the road and stuff like that and had never heard of it. You know, it has Jamie Lee Curtis in it, you know, our scream queen. You know, she's huge in horror. So I I was really surprised and excited to watch this one and then... A little disappointed that it wasn't the horror that uh, I was promised. Yeah, yeah, same. But again, this movie was a heck of a lot of fun. And we're going to have a really good time talking about it.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. And of course, before we get into everything, now is the time I should warn you guys that we're about to spoil everything here. So if you guys want to check out the movie beforehand, we always encourage you guys to do so. We weren't able to find this one streaming free anywhere, but it is available to rent as of right now um, on YouTube, Voodoo, Prime, Uh, Apple TV wherever you guys want to rent it if it's not your jam for whatever reason we totally understand that too it doesn't matter regardless we're going to share all the details here all right well are you ready to get into the
0: wiki I am ready all right well Road Games is a 1981 Australian thriller film directed by Richard Franklin and stars Stacey Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis The film began to take shape when director Richard Franklin approached screenwriter Everett DeRoche with a copy of Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window as an example of the kind of story he was looking to make. DeRoche loved the concept and expressed his desire to write a film with a similar plot but set in a moving vehicle. DeRoche wrote the first draft of Road Games over a period of eight days in a hotel in Fiji while visiting Franklin as he was working on the production of Blue Lagoon. Shot on location in Nullarbor Plain and in Melbourne, the film's budget of $1.75 million was the highest ever for an Australian film at the time. Australian actress Lisa Pierce was originally cast to play opposite lead Stacey Keach, but U.S. distributors insisted on an American co star, hoping a name recognizable to American audiences would help ticket sales. So Franklin cast Jamie Lee Curtis in Pierce's place. This ended up causing some political tension between the cities of Melbourne and Sydney that nearly shut down the film completely when the Actors' Equity Union in Melbourne approved the importation of Curtis, but the Sydney branch did not. Rogue Games was a box office bomb in Australia upon its June 1981 release. It was released in November 1981 here in the U.S., making this month its 40th anniversary. And similarly, it did not perform as well as originally expected here in the States, which Franklin blamed on its marketing as a slasher film. And I gotta agree. Uh, You tell me that this is gonna be a horror slasher, uh, I'm gonna be upset when that's not what I get.
1: Yeah, exactly, and especially when your only kill that you're served up in the movie is shown in the trailer. Yeah, it's spoiled right up front. Yeah.
0: While well, though audiences weren't too keen on the flick, it was a hit with critics. On review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes, the film currently holds a 91% approval rating, with Nick Shager of the AV Club stating it's, quote, an Australian thriller that drums up suspense from its assured plotting and direction and generates humor from its star's charismatic lead performance, end quote. And Rod McShane of Time Out claims, quote, It's precisely its pretensions which makes this a surprisingly agreeable cross of angst-ridden 70s road movie with Hitchcockian thriller, quote. The film was first released on VHS in Australia in the early 1980s, but it wouldn't be available in the U.S. until the 1990s. Road Games was then released on DVD in the U.S. in June of 2003 by Anchor Bay Entertainment. This release has long gone out of print, and copies can now run as high as $85. However, Scream Factory released it on Blu-ray in a special edition form in 2019, so you can still get a copy that won't break the bank. Also, fun fact, this film has been cited by Quentin Tarantino as one of his favorite films and also served as influence in Australian director Greg McLean's debut feature, Wolf Creek. Of course, we covered Wolf Creek last week and Tarantino's Death Proof the week before that, so obviously we can see that influence just from the trope of road trip gone wrong alone.
1: Everything's connected.
0: Everything's connected. Yes. And speaking of, I got a fun fact coming up for you on that uh, everything connected thing. And
1: uh, it's pretty cool. But before we get to all that, do you have a synopsis? I do. It's a short one. It says An Australian trucker picks up a hitchhiking heiress and the trail of a killer in a green van. Straight to the point. Oh, that, uh, yep, that is short and sweet. Picking up. Hitchhikers
0: and Killer Trails. Killer Trails. Green vans. You got it. Done and done. (laughs) Well, are we ready to get to it? I'm ready. Okay. Well, our movie starts and we immediately meet our main character, Pat Quidd, a truck driver who's pulling into a motel stop for the night. He comments to his companion that it may be the last room in town, but it beats sleeping in the truck another night. They'll be able to get a hot shower, some clean sheets, and afterwards they can hop into a restaurant for dinner, a little pâté fragois, a little veal scallopini, dry marcella. So immediately we get the sense that Quid is not your stereotypical truck driver with his pâté frais We'll come to learn that Quid is a bit pretentious. He even says at one point, Madam, just because I drive a truck does not make me a truck driver. But it's not necessarily to be a dick. He's admittedly not educated, but he's extremely well-read and enjoys quoting poetry and his favorite authors, but not to the point that he makes others feel less than, and for the most part, he comes across as charming and likable.
1: Yeah, and not at any point does he ever come off, like, too obnoxious or anything. Yeah, he's, he's not a jerk. No, not at all. So
0: Quid Here is played by actor Stacey Keach, who has a few other creepy credits on his resume, including Slave of the Cannibal God, The Ninth Configuration, Class of 1999. That one also stars Rose McGowan, who we talked about this month in Death Proof. Uh, he also starred in The Portal, something called Ooga Booga, which, I mean, I don't know what that is, uh, and Cell. Also, he actually learned to drive a 16-gear semi-truck for this role. That's really crazy. Yeah, which, I mean, works out beneficially. Each time you see him driving, that really is him driving. I wonder how hard that would be. I hear it's not easy. It There's a thing, it's like double clutch. If you have trouble with a stick shift, don't bother. <laughs> just, like, complicates that even more. I'll check that off my list then. <laughs> okay, Well, next we meet Quid's very handsome traveling companion, Boswell, who just so happens to be Quid's pet dingo. And you know how you said earlier that everything in horror is connected? Well, wrap your brain around this one. So Boswell here is actually named Killer, and although he's being touted as a dingo, he is really an Australian red healer, and a very good boy, but that's not what we're here to talk about. So the dog's name was originally scripted as Bosco, but when it was explained to director Richard Franklin that Bosco was actually the name of a chocolate syrup here in America, the name of the dog was changed to Boswell. But here's where it gets weird. So remember I said in the wiki that this film was structured directly off Hitchcock's rear window? Well, Bosco syrup, not Hershey's, as most people claim, was the type of chocolate syrup Hitchcock used to stand in for Janet Leigh's blood in the infamous shower scene in Psycho. The same Janet Leigh that is the real-life mother of Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays Hitch in this film. And yes, her name is a direct nod to the famed director of Suspense, Alfred Hitchcock himself. And then... It gets even weirder because this film's director, Richard Franklin, would go on to direct Psycho 2. That's crazy. It's so many connections.
1: So so many things. All off the damn dog scripted name. I love it. It's the best. The goodest boy bringing everybody together. We love you, Bosco. Or Boswell. Whatever your name is. Regardless, the best boy. Let's just call him Killer. I would just want to snuggle him regardless. <laughs> Well
0: next we see Quid get a call over the radio from his dispatcher telling him they have a priority job tomorrow morning running meat from Melbourne to Perth. It seems the meat workers union is on strike leaving most of West Australia without meat. Quid tries to turn down the job claiming he hasn't slept since Wednesday, but when he's offered double time pay for the run, he says he'll be there bright and early. But as he's on the radio, a green van pulls up to the hotel and the driver goes inside to rent a room. Quid takes notice of the van's passenger and recognizes her as a hitchhiker they had passed a while back. Now Quid's jealous that the van guy looks like he's going to get a hookup out of it and Quid berates himself for not picking her up. It also appears that Van Guy and the Hitchhiker got the last room for the night, so it looks like Quid and Boswell will be sleeping in the truck after all. It looks cozy, at least. You know, I have always wanted to, like, see what it's actually like in there, because I'm one of those people I have a fascination with, like, little tiny cozy places. Like, if I could set up a little tent inside somewhere that i could just like crawl in with a bunch of blankets and stuff and you know close it off that would just be ideal to me just a little hidey snuggly space Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's what those always make me think of and i yeah me and boswell we'd just hang out out there watch movies it's great (laughs) Well, we next see inside that hotel room and our hitchhiker is sitting naked on the bed tuning a guitar. Meanwhile, in the bathroom, our mystery man wearing driving gloves removes another guitar string from its packaging and forms it into sort of a garrote. We then see him exit the bathroom and slowly approach the hitchhiker who is still tuning that guitar. He places his hand on her shoulder and brushes the hair from her neck. He then places the guitar string around her neck. She's confused at first as to what is happening, but the mystery man pulls the wire taut as she gasps as we quickly cut to the early hours of the next morning as trash bins are knocked over loudly as the trash is being collected by the garbage men. So before we move on from this scene, there are some things Franklin did here that I really like. So his use of sound here is very unnerving and works to help make the audience feel uncomfortable as the hitchhiker is tuning the guitar she keeps running her fingers across the strings and it makes this really unpleasant sound it's oh it's like nails on a chalkboard it's like this screeching it's horrible yeah it's it's awful it gets you like right in the back of your neck and you're just like It's it's not pleasant. You just want her to stop. So it adds to that unpleasantness uh, where the audience is already unnerved because we know this girl is about to be killed. So when the mystery man comes out of the bathroom and is approaching her from behind... She's tuning that guitar, and it keeps going up in pitch as she gets closer and closer, and it almost acts like the score for this scene, and it helps heighten that tension as he draws closer to her. It's really well done, and I I wish we got more of this throughout the film.
1: Yeah, and again, like I said, this is our one and only kill, and it's already displayed in the trailer, so there's nothing really... Uh, surprising here besides the fact of uh, you know we do get the full ambiance uh, watching the movie mm-hmm. uh, which definitely adds to the scene.
0: Yeah absolutely uh, you know what you see in the trailer it's it's a watered down version of this but but yeah once it's been spoiled in the trailer and we get it so early in the movie and, and this is it. This is our kill we're yeah. not going to be privy to another one so it's just kind of like Oh,
1: okay. Well,
0: (laughs) and from here on, it's just, you know, figuring out, did he do it? Did he not? Are we going to catch him? You know, is he going to catch up with quit? You know, it's just kind of a cat and mouse game from here. But it's still really well done if you would enjoy a good psychological thriller. So I certainly am not saying don't watch this movie, but if you're in the mood to watch horror, this ain't going to do it for you.
1: Yeah, definitely not.
0: So, bright and early the next morning, 4.30 a.m. to be exact, the loud trash pickup wakes Quid and Boswell is already whining at the door to be let out. Quid opens the door for him and climbs up to the driver's seat and starts using an electric razor for his morning shave as he watches Boswell make a beeline for the trash in front of the hotel, paying particular attention to a certain trash bag that he keeps sniffing and pawing. Quid then takes notice that someone appears to be watching Boswell take an interest in that bag from up in their hotel room. Quid tries to call Boswell off, but he's on to something and doesn't want to give it up. Eventually, the trash collectors make their way there and throw the bags in the back of the garbage truck. We then hard cut to the image of racks of slaughtered dead pigs hanging on hooks, and we finally get our title card.
1: I forgot. We didn't even have one at this point. Yeah,
0: it was like last week with Wolf Creek. This whole opening, you're like, oh yeah, we never did see that
1: title card. Well, here it is. We're in a movie. (laughs) Surprise!
0: (laughs) Well, over the opening credits, we see Quid at the Melbourne Meatpacking Plant, as a bunch of dead pigs are pushed around a lot, and we see Quid playing a harmonica for some reason. Like, he's in the middle of this meat packing plant, standing right next to a supervisor guy, and he's just letting loose with the harmonica. Just serenading the butchers, <laughs> as one does. Imagine if someone came to your work to pick something up. It was just like, hey, uh, I'm here to pick up those re- reports to take downtown. Yeah, I'll get those ready for you. Okay, great. And the dude just whips out a kazoo <laughs> and starts blowing Donna Summer. She works hard for the money.
1: <laughs> this is a place of business, sir. I don't know why. He's like, yeah, I'm here to pick up uh, my package. Would you mind previewing my (laughs) mixtape real quick? (laughs) Hey, I've been working on this. What do you think? (laughs) Got some sick beats I would want to show you. If you don't mind just taking a quick listen. Yeah, I'll I'll get the meat. I just. (laughs) Pardon me. Do you know how to whip or nay nay?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Get my harmonica. At first, I thought, because the theme song that we're getting over the opening credits has a harmonica in it, and I thought, well, is he supposed to be playing the harmonica that's in the theme yeah, song? Yeah,
1: I thought he was, like, playing the theme song.
0: It, but it didn't match up. I don't
1: know. It was just odd. Yeah. That he's just... The harmonica becomes a piece of contention for me throughout this movie, because there's another scene that I'm like, this isn't real, because you, <laughs> you just spit food in your harmonica. <laughs> I don't remember that part, so please, please point it out to me when we
0: get there. (laughs) I'm so excited for this. Okay. Well, Quid gets all loaded up, and he and Boswell hit the road, headed to Perth. Quid starts the drive, quoting a little Chaucer from the Canterbury Tales. He then partakes in one of his favorite pastimes, which is making up the backstories for these people that he's passing. Case in point, the family car he's currently passing, the kids are arguing in the back, and the wife is attempting to scold them and read the map at the same time. He calls them Fred and Frida Frugal and figures he's an accountant and she's a pain in the ass. Then there's Benny Balls, who I guess is a traveling salesman who sells balls, I, I guess. As it's in... a lost career. <laughs> is but he's got like a ton of soccer balls basketballs kickballs etc
1: all in the back of his car like he couldn't even see out the back it It, seems like a wacky car that if he like opened the back door like all these balls would fall out yes
0: and then he has this big old sign on his car uh that says that his car is protected by an alarm system because everyone wants to get his balls i guess i don't know keep your hands off this man's balls also it just seems like if you had one of each That's all you need. Yeah,
1: you really only need one example of each to really do the salesman part. It's a little overkill.
0: Well, Quid then sees a guy on a motorcycle who sneezes, so the guy has to pull out a handkerchief and wipe the inside of the face shield off of his helmet. Gross. Uh, Quid calls him Sneezy Rider. Get it? Instead of Easy Rider? Yeah. Creative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next, Quid sees another hitchhiker and contemplates picking her up dazzling her with his stylish rhetoric and witty innuendo. But picking up hitchhikers is against regulations, so he just keeps going. Further on down the road, Quid encounters Captain Careful, a man driving alone, hauling a small boat behind him. But the guy doesn't appear to be used to driving with the boat and is driving way too slow and taking up both lanes, and Quid gets slowed up behind him. But soon Quid notices that green van come up quick behind him. Yes, the same one from the hotel the night before. So it's time to pass Captain Careful. Well, Quid makes his move and leans on the gas, making Captain Careful even more nervous. But once Quid passes, the van passes at the same time, the sheer force of which, I guess, blows out Captain Careful's windshield, causing him to pull over. I'm not really sure what happened here. All I know is Captain Careful is pissed and
1: Quid is the brunt of that anger. I hate whenever I'm driving and trucks drive past me and my windshield blows out. Happens at least three times a week. Yeah, it's expensive, honestly. That's why I stopped driving. It's dangerous out there. Okay, so
0: the only reason I have specifically told you about all these travelers is because in the biggest coincidence, in the history of coincidences, along with this green van from the hotel at the beginning, we are going to continue to encounter these same vehicles throughout this entire movie. No matter how far we drive, what route we take, or how many stops we make, it will just so happen to correspond with the travels of these other
1: vehicles. I mean, what are the odds? Who knew Australia had such a small population? <laughs> Apparently, only these four
0: people live in Australia. <laughs> and we will continue to encounter them throughout the entire movie. But once we've accepted that, then everything's fine and we can just move on.
1: It's crazy how much the population has really grown by Wolf Creek. Uh, yeah. Yeah, by that time, there's lots of people in Australia. But back in
0: 1981, (laughs) it's just these five. So, (laughs) Well, next, Quid is wondering about the green van and is curious if he's still traveling with the hitchhiker he saw him check in with last night. He decides to let the van pass, and as soon as it does, Quid can see a cooler, or esky, if you're an Aussie. We learned that last week. Uh, Well, he can see one in the guy's passenger seat, so this gets Quid to thinking, why does anyone get up at the crack of dawn to watch
1: the garbage collectors?
0: Hmm.
1: I do that on garbage day. It's so much fun. It's riveting, honestly. Of course, our garbage people usually
0: don't come till four, so it's a long wait. Yeah. But uh, we do get up at the crack of dawn and just sit by the window.
1: I have snacks.
0: (laughs) Full meals. It's an all-day event. (laughs) When well, we next see Quid is passing into the Nullarbor Plain, an area of flat, almost treeless desert of southern Australia. We get some exposition shots indicating that Quid has been driving for a while. He even regales us with some more of his harmonica skills. I don't like it. <laughs> Boswell doesn't like it either, so <laughs> me and Boswell, Team Boswell. That's right. In our little cubby in the back. <laughs> Shut the curtains. Uh, Well, Quid continues on down the road while listening to the radio and hears a news report about the discovery of a human hand amongst debris in a storm drain. And they hope to run a comparison with a human leg found in a Townsville tannery last week. Police are denying speculation of a Jack the Ripper type murderer at large and claim the two grisly items are probably unconnected and isolated man i remember that used to be a thing police would do everything to assure you that cases were not connected they Mm -hmm. were so terrified of having a serial killer in their midst they're just like nope there is nothing that
1: could possibly link these murders together there's literally nothing to see here if you could all forget everything we said and walk away (laughs) I, I
0: I mean, and I don't. I guess it was because they wanted to avoid panic. Yeah, I, I don't know what it matters whether one maniac is doing it or several. Both are terrifying.
1: Yeah, <laughs> either way, I'm scared. Either way, so I mean, but what would
0: be scarier? Would you rather find out that it was one person responsible for all of these things, or that there are multiple people out there you have to worry about?
1: I I would prefer the one. I think you think you'd prefer the one person. Yeah,
0: because then I would just know, well, it's just one person. So yeah. the odds that that one person is with someone else doing other things.
1: Yeah, I mean, one person is obviously far less scarier than a whole yeah. last group of people hunting me down. So tell me, all the murders
0: are serial killers. So I just know there are two or three bad people. So Everyone all the else cops is now fine. are like,
1: yeah. Oddly enough, all of these are linked. <laughs> Every single it's murder, crazy. ever, not a single mo matches, but they're all linked. There are DNA. <laughs> One killer is responsible for everything. I don't know who it is yet, but is that, this guy's crafty. Is that
0: 23 and me <laughs> Connecting everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I forgot about this vehicle. Quid pulls up behind a white van with the words, Just Married, on the back, and as he approaches, we see the female passenger sit up, implying she was giving her new husband a little, shall we say, happy ending behind the wheel? Hmm? A little... A little kiss? <laughs> a little special kiss? Special kiss. <laughs> I can just hear... Honey, can I have one of your special kisses? <laughs> I hate it. I hate everything about it. Well, this is another vehicle that we will encounter more than once, so had to bring it up
1: and every time they will be special kissing
0: (laughs) yes actually they will well next quid continues down the road when off in the distance he can see something has been placed across the road in an attempt to barricade it causing quid to have to slam on his brakes sending half the contents of his truck including boswell flying forward As soon as the truck is stopped, we see the barricade is nothing more than pink toilet paper and Quid's passenger door is flung open and a heavyset middle-aged woman immediately helps herself up into the truck. Quid tries to tell her that he's not allowed to pick up hitchhikers, to which she explains that she's not a hitchhiker. Her idiot husband drove off and left her there and if they hurry, they can catch up to him. So this is Madeline Day, but Floyd, her idiot husband, just calls her Sunny, as in Sunny Day. They also have a daughter, Doris Jay, just like the movie star. She is a character. Oh, I love Madeline so much. <laughs> She's just, they they have a good comic relationship. Yeah,
1: they really do. It's
0: just uh, like a series of silly little misunderstandings, and I, I enjoyed her character very much. Yeah. So the two continue down the road together and make small talk. She asks about his dog, and Quid explains how he's a dingo, not a dog, and dingoes are better because they're cleaner and they don't bark. The part about the barking isn't true, but Quid believes it, and it'll come back later, so I had to share the lie. (laughs) Well, Quid tells her he can take her as far as the roadhouse in the next town. At one point, they pass the same hitchhiker Quid saw earlier, Madeline asks if he's going to pick her up, to which Quid notes that the way she's leapfrogging him, she'll get to Perth before he does. Madeline says, well, a gentleman would have picked her up with this maniac running around loose butchering girls, to which Quid is all, what maniac? And Madeline's all, I don't know, some maniac they're talking about on the radio. Quid asks, did they say what kind of rig he drove? Madeline replies, I'd say he was driving a rig. How far away is this roadhouse? To which Quid says, not far. And Madeline says, good. It's obvious that uh, Quid is a little too interested in the maniac talk, and it's (laughs) making Madeline uncomfortable. The two continue on together until they come across an accident that's blocking the road. So Quid decides to take a shortcut on a dirt road to bypass it. As they drive along, they play 20 questions to pass the time. Quid can't seem to guess any of Madeline's, while she tends to guess his right away, which only frustrates Quid. They play again, and Quid guesses to frustration until finally giving up, and Madeline tells him that it was the man they passed back there, to which Quid is like, what man? Madeline says, the man back there beside the road, digging a hole. Quid immediately slams on his brakes and gets out of the truck. He starts to wonder what the guy is burying and pulls out some binoculars from the passenger side, but his interest in the mystery man has got Madeline a little freaked out and she keeps her hairspray at the ready to defend herself. Which is amazing and hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Well, seeing as how they're only about half a block away from the guy, he can see them just as much as they can see him. And once the guy realizes he's being watched, he packs everything up and takes off in the opposite direction. But now Quid really thinks he might have killed that hitchhiker from last night and is now trying to dispose of the different parts of her body by burying them in different parts of the outback. Well, of course, he's hypothesized all of this out loud, and now Madeline is completely freaked out thinking Quid is some sort of deranged lunatic and takes off running in the middle of nowhere, so Quid has to go after her. Well, she runs and keeps running literally right to the edge of Australia. Like, the country just ends. (laughs) Like, where's the rest of your country? Why does it just cut off? There's like a drop that drops down like the size of the Empire State Building. That's how they deal with things there.
1: That's their justice system.
0: It just ends. They throw people off. You're done. Out of the country you go. (laughs) Tired
1: of you. (laughs)
0: So now Quinn has to try and convince her that he's not a crazy person, and Madeline is all, "We don't want any trouble. We never wanted any trouble, but they threatened my children." We're all like, "Wait, what? What the <laughs> hell is she talking about?" Did I miss a page of the script? <laughs> Madeline continues. Horrible phone calls late at night. They killed our dog. When the police came, they said the strike was Floyd's fault. We got our own problems, mister. We don't need anybody else's. I didn't see any man back there, understand? To which Quid says, "Uh uh-huh, I think I do. I mean, we don't know what the fuck she's talking about, but obviously she's got her own shit to deal with, and Quid can respect that. So he pulls her away from the cliff's edge, and they head out. So... I I should mention here, because we get to actually see close-up the mystery man in the green van for the first time. Uh, We'll see him a few more times. He never speaks throughout this entire film. He does not utter a word. He's played by actor Grant Page, who's mostly known for his stunt work. In fact, he was the stunt coordinator for this film. He does have some other creepy credits to his name, though, both through acting and stunt work, including... Uh, a movie called Patrick, which was also directed by Richard Franklin, who directed this film. He was in a movie called Thirst, Death Ship, The Island, Lady Stay Dead, Pandemonium, The 13th Floor, Stones of Death, Voyage into Fear, Primal, and Patrick Evil Awakens. Busy guy. Boy has been busy. Well, next we see Quid and Madeline have made it to a roadhouse in Yellowdyne. We see Quid inside attempting to call the police and share his suspicions about the guy in the green van, but the noise in the roadhouse is too loud and Quid just keeps shouting and repeating himself, but never makes any progress in the conversation. There's also a shot here that Franklin did in the scene that is a 360 degree pan shot that lasts for a full minute without cutting. And then the scene goes on for another minute of Quid yelling into the phone. It's the most irritating scene in this whole damn movie. But because of that crazy 360-degree shot, it stayed in the film. Now, normally, I will always side with a creator when it comes to filmmaking. But in this case... The American distributors wanted Richard Franklin to cut this scene out. They too felt it was too long and added nothing to the story. Franklin, however, refused to cut the shot. But I gotta agree with the distributors on this one. What the fuck was the point?
1: Yeah, it didn't add anything at all. And in fact, I found myself like kind of infuriated because, like, you're listening to Quid like yelling to the phone, and then there's a bunch of noises going on. And then, you know, obviously we're with the camera and we're panning around the restaurant. And so it kind of feels like we're leaving our main character for a second. And that's fine if we're going to learn something important. Mm-hmm. But we don't. So no. we're just listening to our our lead still yelling into the phone while paying attention to nothing that's going to give anything important to the story.
0: Yeah. And, and, and we never learn anything new. It, it's just frustrating to for 2 minutes hear him try and spell his name over and over again yeah. because the people can't hear him it's just it's so infuriating <laughs> it's it's like the equivalent of being forced to watch alice make coffee for two freaking full minutes in <laughs> yeah. friday the 13th it's pointless yeah I, mean, I know you're really proud of that shot it's it's out of the box filmmaking at a time when not too many people We're willing to get outside the box, but a cool shot isn't cool unless you're capturing something interesting. It was just pointless, and it made me angry. (laughs) Well, Quid finally gives up and hangs up the phone and goes to leave, but is stopped by the proprietor on the way out, who asks, That your dingo? He goes on to explain that there's a bounty on dingoes in this district, and the locals will shoot them on sight. So Quid goes out to check on Boswell, who he finds in the truck with an injury to his head. But ultimately, he's just fine. In fact, if you're like me and hate when animals are characters in films because you're constantly worried they'll be hurt or killed, I will go ahead and relieve your mind and let you know that Boswell is going to make it through all the way just fine. So you can relax on that one.
1: I was not able to relax.
0: I am the same way. I hate it so much. When I watch Wizard of Oz... For the first time, the entire time, I'm like, Where's Toto? Where is he? (laughs) Who's
1: got eyes on Toto? Oh, it is. I just,
0: I can't. And you know, there's a website that you can go to. It's Mm kind of, I think it's like Does the Dog Live or something like that. Yeah, I think
1: it is like does the dog die.com or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend it because I hate it. I hate it. It just is. That shouldn't even be an option. No, it should be illegal taking away your privileges you're going to jail Franklin
0: oh but Boswell's fine he's fine you're fine Franklin I don't know I haven't seen your other movies Maybe you killed a dog in that one but in this one he's fine well back with quid he looks around to see who may have hurt Boswell and just down the road he sees a familiar green van pull away and drive off so of course quid takes off in pursuit uh, one thing to note, as Quid leaves the roadhouse, he and Madeline have parted ways, and it looks like she's catching a ride with Sneezy Rider, who just so happened to be at the roadhouse. Meanwhile, Quid has got the pedal to the metal trying to catch the green van. We then see the van pass another familiar vehicle. It's Captain Careful, pulling his little dinghy. Looks like he's gotten that windshield replaced, and as soon as the van passes, he remembers what happened last time, and he's all, hell no, no one is passing me and fucking up my windshield again, so he starts driving in the middle of the road, purposefully blocking both lanes so Quid can't pass. Literally being a jerk. Oh my god, he's an asshole. Well, Quid keeps trying to make a move, but the guy keeps swerving in front of him. Quid then goes to pass him on the shoulder, and when the guy tries to swerve into him again, Quid's tire catches and bumps the guy's boat, which causes the anchor to fall off the boat, trailing behind on the road attached by his chain. The anchor eventually slides under Quid's tire, which yanks the boat backwards off of its trailer onto the road, causing Quid to crash through it. This causes Captain Careful to run off the road and into a ditch. Quid brings his truck to a stop and gets out, but he doesn't check to see if the captain is okay or exchange insurance information. He just checks that his truck is okay and then drives
1: off. He doesn't have time. Quid's a busy guy.
0: I mean, I know uh the guy was being a dick, but this is a traffic accident. <laughs> At least make sure he's okay. <laughs> It's just weird that all this went down and they're like, all right, everything's fine, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so Quid continues on his merry way, but it looks like his tussle with the captain has allowed the green van to get away. But Quid is about to spot another familiar face. It's that hitchhiker he's now passed twice. And he asks Boswell, well, what do you say? Third time lucky? And he pulls over to pick her up. He says, aren't you a little young to be hitchhiking out here all by yourself? To which she answers, aren't you a little old to be picking me up? Touche. I like her already. She's sassy and I like her. (laughs) And this is the long anticipated hitch. And she climbs up into the truck. I also really like how Franklin handled her reveal here. So the first two times we see her, she is, of course, on the side of the road, thumb out hitchhiking, but her back is always to us, so we never actually see her face. Even the third time we see her, it's from behind, and it isn't until Quid decides to stop and pull up to her that the camera then pans around in front of her, revealing that she is indeed our queen, Jamie Lee Curtis. Lovely. She looks so cute. Tiny baby. Tiny baby Jamie. Tiny baby Jamie. And you know I'm going to do it. Jamie Lee Curtis is a horror icon and legend. So you know she has several other creepy credits. Uh, Maybe you heard of a couple of them. Uh, She's been in Halloween, The Fog, Prom Night, Terror Train, Halloween 2, Electric Boogaloo, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Yes, she was actually in that one, but not as Laurie Strode. She played the voice of the curfew announcer and the voice of a telephone operator. She was also in Halloween H2O, Virus, which she touts as, quote, a piece of shit and one of two films she regrets making, she was also in Halloween Resurrection, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and next year's much anticipated Halloween Ends. She's also appeared in the hit television series Scream Queens.
1: She's just an icon.
0: Legend.
1: Legendary status. <laughs>
0: Uh, Also, I do have some super random fun facts about Jamie Lee. Firstly, she became formally known as Lady Hayden Guest of Sailing in the County of Essex when her husband, Christopher Guest, inherited the barony in 1996 upon the death of his father. But the only time she really takes advantage of this title is when making reservations in exclusive London restaurants on short notice, since apparently Lady Hayden Guest works better than her own name, of Jamie Lee Curtis, how dare you, London? You of all people should recognize a queen when you see her. I I want to be a, a lady, a lady, a a, a a fancy royal lady, a fancy royal lady. I think you can actually purchase one of those titles. I think that uh, like, th- like through Scotland or something, you can like p- buy like one square block of land or something like that and that in- gives you a title let's look into it something to think about guys go. i got goals <laughs> also did you know she has a grammy nomination for best spoken album for children for her recording of her series of children's books oh no in fact to date she has written 13 children's books just just a queen just a queen and my final bit of how is this possibly a real person trivia, Jamie Lee also holds U.S. patent number 4,753,647, which is basically for a diaper that had on the outside a sealed but openable moisture-proof pocket, which contained a cleanup wipe for wiping baby's bum. She just invented that. She She
1: can just do everything.
0: She's just incredible. We love her. How is she
1: real? She's not. She's not.
0: So, like I said, Hitch climbs up into the truck. Hitch, of course, isn't her real name. That's just what Quid calls her because it's short for Hitchhiker. But the character was really named that as a nod to Alfred Hitchcock since this movie is based on his rear window. First thing we need to point out is that she is definitely not dressed like someone hitchhiking across Australia in the middle of the outback. She's got this fancy floppy hat on, white slacks, and a nice blouse with a sweater thrown over her shoulders like she's been playing tennis. She looks more like she's on her way to a Sunday garden party, not someone who needs to bum a ride. Hitch notices Boswell's cut on his head and asks what happened. Quid answers by asking... You didn't by chance happen to see a guy in a green van, to which Hitch replies, yeah, why? Quid explains to Hitch what's been going on with the green van guy and the fact he suspects him of murder, and Hitch wonders out loud why he didn't try and pick her up. The two continue to try and make small talk, but the conversation keeps coming back to the green van guy, or Smith or Jones, as they start referring to him, and they decide to play detective and see if they can figure out what he's up to. So they hash out their speculations, Quid is more interested in how Smith or Jones kills and disposes of them, while Hitch is more concerned with why. Soon Quid starts to notice they're being followed and asks Hitch, Don't you think you should let someone know you're all right? To which Hitch replies, no, why? Because your father might have the cops out looking for you. Nah, he wouldn't do that. Oh yeah?
1: As we hear sirens and the cops motion for Quid to pull over. That is one thing that I wish we got a little bit more information on. I mean, I know it's not like hugely important to the story, but we just don't find out a whole lot about her past, you know? I mean, we don't fully get... A whole lot of Jamie, like as much as we wish we we could. So that is something that I wish we could have gotten more from this movie. It's just more of her and more of her her story overall. Yeah, yeah. She she is in this
0: very briefly. In fact, uh, Franklin has said that he kind of regrets not using her to uh, the full advantage. You know, taking advantage of that star power that she had, uh, and and you know, fleshing that rollout. We we do. In passing, kind of, we do get to find out who her dad was, but it's not really that important in uh, the span of the story. But yeah, it would have been nice to definitely get more of this relationship and this interaction. So Hitch hides in the truck's bunk behind the privacy curtain while Quid gets out to talk with the cops. Turns out Smith or Jones is trying to push suspicion off on Quid and used his name to check into the hotel with that hitchhiker who just so happens to fit the description of a missing person. Well, Quid assures them it wasn't him and anyone could have gotten his name off the side of his truck. He doesn't want to get hung for something he didn't do and the cop replies, Meat is hung, men are hanged. And the Australian Outback has never sounded more like the American Deep South. (laughs) It was even delivered with a slow drawl. He was like, meat is hung, men are hanged. Well, all righty, Deputy Buford, good for you. (laughs) Well, the cops review Quid's driver's logbook to confirm his whereabouts, but also notice he's overdue for a mandatory 12-hour stopover. So Quid and Hitch are forced to halt their pursuit of Smith or Jones and pull over and camp for the night. So there was a nice Easter egg in the scene where we see Hitch hiding in the truck waiting on Quid, and she flips through a stack of magazines he has in the back, and we briefly see one with none other than Alfred
1: Hitchcock on the cover, yet another nod to the Master of Suspense. We also see Grunt magazine, so, you know, (laughs) equally as exciting. (laughs) I love how we focus on different things. (laughs)
0: I mean I noticed the Hitchhawk, if it makes you feel any better, but <laughs> And I did too notice Grunt Megan. <laughs> <laughs> well, next we see Quid and Hitch around a campfire outside a gutted building in the middle of some barren sand dunes, and Quid is reading from Osmandius by Percy Shelley, which seems to be appropriate for this location. Quid explains to Hitch that this used to be an old telegraph station in a town of about 700 people, but they were all chased out by the dreaded Erectulagus Caniculus, and the place became a ghost town swallowed up by the encroaching dunes. And if you listen very closely, you can still hear them out there munching. So the story Quid tells is actually true, believe it or not. The ruins where they're camping are that of the Yuka telegraph station near the Western Australia border, and in 1890 it was a plague of rabbits that ended up overrunning the town devouring all the vegetation and allowing the sand dunes to take over. The town was abandoned, but it was reestablished about four kilometers north at its now existing site, and at its peak it had a population of 98, not 700 as quoted by Quidd. We also learn in the scene that Hitch's real name is Pamela and that her father is some sort of either American diplomat or some type of foreign policymaker stationed in Australia. And that life is stuffy and boring, so Hitch is just out looking for adventure. Just a girl on the road. Uh, We then see Hitch excuse herself, presumably, to use the bathroom, and she walks up to the top of one of the dunes only to see Smith or Jones and his green van also camping nearby but she doesn't do a damn thing about it no as as far as i know she never even told quid that she saw him
1: i know and i I was thinking about how genuinely creepy that would be like
0: yeah and and the way that it's set up it's really creepy in the scene because there's like the storm brewing in the distance so there's lightning every once in a while so when she climbs this kind of dune and gets to the top this lightning flashes and she can see out over the desert and off a ways she sees this green van and he's just kind of sitting there mm-hmm. in the doorway with his guitar and I, I i got the impression he was staring back at her yeah, like yeah, he totally. knew damn well that they were there yeah why the fuck she didn't just go running back and saying uh creepy guys over there yeah. i don't know but i mean the next scene it's the next day yeah
1: I was like, what the hell, dude? I will also point out that this was the um, food harmonica scene. Oh! So this is, um, it's before she goes and supposedly goes to the restroom. They're mm-hmm. like eating and he takes a bite of the carrot. And uh-huh. he's like, watch out for bunnies or whatever. <laughs> well, I, you clearly see he doesn't swallow the bite of the carrot. So he takes a bite and then immediately puts the harmonica in his mouth and starts playing. And it's like, that's not correct. <laughs> You just blew carrot chunks all inside your harmonica. Nice. So incorrect, sir. Oh, he's doing it wrong. I watched it both times, and because I, I was like, the first time I was like, okay, he did, definitely didn't swallow that. And the second time I was like, maybe, maybe he. Nope. He definitely doesn't swallow it. There's carrot in your harmonica. So <laughs> there's definitely
0: carrot in that harmonica. I'm here to tell everyone. <laughs> That's your big takeaway from this movie. <laughs> oh, you mean the carrot harmonica? Yeah, I saw that movie. <laughs> Fucking atrocious <laughs> horror that's movies. Am I right? The real horror. It's the carrot and the harmonica. <laughs> Scariest thing in there. <laughs> I, and that's one thing I didn't mention is that Quid has this weird habit of chewing on vegetables, like either
1: celery or carrots. It's that's like his snack of choice. Yeah. And he'll, like, do it randomly. Like, they're talking in the truck at one point, and he just randomly reaches back and pulls out a stalk of celery and just bites it. And it's like, what? First off, he didn't even ask if she wanted a bite, which would be the gentleman thing to do. (laughs) And then also, like, nobody wants to smell your celery bites in a truck, my guy. Like, that's gross. Oh, my God. The smell. Oh, God. (laughs) I do not like celery or the smell
0: of it. And just the thought of that is just horrifying. <laughs> Carrots I can deal with, except for the harmonica thing. That's wrong. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> well, the next morning, our duo is up and about. Quid is checking on his piggies in the back, and Hitch uses her finger to write tomorrow's bacon in the dirt on the back of the truck. The two then bond over some Emily Bronte, and their continued flirting almost leads to a kiss. But Quid spots what Hitch wrote on the truck and asks about it. Hitch replies with, pig in a poke, you better start shaking. Today's pig is tomorrow's bacon. To which Quid asks, T.S. Eliot? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, poetry jokes. LOL. Ha ha. Had to be there. Uh, I actually tried to look this up pig in a poke, you better start shaking. Today's pig is tomorrow's bacon. Thinking it was like from a commercial or something. I don't know. Pig in a poke is a thing that just means like pig in a bag. So that would make sense. You put a pig in a bag, that pig better start shaking because today's pig is tomorrow's bacon. But I don't know where the saying came from. Can't help you out. Well, then I don't want to be here anymore. Well, get out. (laughs) (laughs) Take your carrot harmonica with you. (laughs) Well, next we see Quid and Hitch have stopped at another roadhouse. Hitch has decided to take Quid's advice and calls to check in with Daddy while Quid tends to some maintenance on the truck. But as they're there, believe it or not, Benny Balls pulls in. Remember the car that appears to be driven by a ball salesman? And the alarm he has on his car is malfunctioning and going off and he can't figure out how to turn it off. And it's going to go on for the entirety of this scene. And it's another thing that infuriates me. (laughs) Well, Quid tells Hitch they're leaving because he can't stand that noise. And Hitch says she's got to pee first. And when she goes off to find the restroom in the back of the building, she spots a familiar green van. She calls Quid over and he thinks they've got the guy trapped in the men's room. So he goes in and threatens the guy while Hitch decides to hop in his van to see if she can find any evidence. She spots that cooler in the back and climbs back there to get it, but when she does, we realize that Smith or Jones is sleeping in the back and he wakes up as Hitch gasps. Meanwhile, Quid is still threatening whoever he's got cornered in the toilet. And we hear the guy sneeze as he comes out of the stall. And we see it's just old sneezy Ryder who thinks Quid is a freaking
1: nut job. Rightfully so. He was kind of attacking me. <laughs> he was. He was like, All right, asshole, we got
0: you cornered now. The
1: moment you come out here, <laughs> my dog's
0: going to bite you in the nuts. <laughs> Uh, so, Sneezy Rider here is uh, played by actor Robert Thompson. Uh, a bit of a backstory. So, Richard Franklin, who directed this movie, did another horror movie before this called Patrick that apparently was kind of a big deal in Australian horror. Well, this guy, Robert Thompson here, played Patrick. He also has another creepy credit and movie called Thirst, which Grant Page, who plays Smith or Jones, also worked in. So, again... Everything's connected. Everything's connected. Well, Quid apologizes and goes outside only to discover the green van, along with Hitch, are gone. I hope you like Jamie Lee, because that's about the bulk of all we got to see for this movie. Sad. 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 Well, Quid tries to steal Sneezy Rider's motorcycle, but crashes it in the parking lot, so he then has to screw with his truck, which was raised so he could work on it, and he has to try and ward people off, since he tried to take the bike and everyone is pissed. He finally gets the truck lowered and gets in, but as he takes off, he hits a small water tower, with no water in it, by the way, and knocks it down, it's chaos and pandemonium, and the entire thing was witnessed by Madeline. Remember her? The middle-aged lady Quid first gave a ride to that thinks he's crazy? Well, this little scene isn't helping Quid's case. I remember, she was there because she was getting a ride with now Sneezy Rider. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's only five people that live in Australia. And thankfully, they all like sharing rides together. <laughs> Well, Quid manages to catch up with the green van, but he doesn't appear to be in any hurry, like he had just abducted someone. Quid pulls up behind the van and can see the silhouette of both a driver and a passenger, and they just appear to be having a normal conversation. Again, there's no sign that Hitch is in distress or even cares that Quid is back there. So Quid interprets this to mean that Hitch is fine and he must have been wrong about this guy the whole time, which just goes to prove that being well-read does not necessarily make you smart. It just makes you well-read. I mean, he gives up so easily. Yeah. He's just like, well, they're just talking, so obviously it's fine. She doesn't need me at all. <laughs> he just immediately just gets so upset and offended that everything appears to be fine.
1: <laughs> He's like, well, I guess everything's okay then. Come looks like everything's fine here i'm not needed i mean until that woman looked me in the eye
0: and said i'm fine you may leave now i wouldn't stop trying to get to her yeah all of her belongings are still in your car asshole (laughs) she's not gonna leave those whatever quid just lets smith or jones and his green van drives off and he goes on his merry way Later on the radio, we hear that there's still no end in sight to the meat strike. The union denies allegations that strong-arm tactics have been used against the union's accountant, Mr. Floyd Day although it's alleged that Mr. Day and his family have fled the interstate. So this is a nice call back to Madeline, Quid's first passenger, who we just briefly saw back at the roadhouse. Remember her freak out at the cliff's edge, talking about the late night phone calls and that they killed her dog? So it turns out her accountant husband was the accountant for the meat workers union, and they blame him for whatever they're on strike for. And that's why she and her family are on the run. I just thought that was a cool thing that they added and something that some people might not have picked up on if they weren't paying you know, really close attention.
1: I definitely didn't pick up on it. It wasn't until you kind of like brought up the fact that they kind of closed that loop, which I did think was nice because I mean, we're not really looking for like plot holes to be closed up, but you know, necessarily in this type of Especially with these background characters, because obviously our main focus here is like Quid and everything. Yeah. Uh, But it is nice that we get these kind of like small resolutions along the way, especially whenever our big grand scheme of things is a cat and mouse game. Yeah. It is nice to kind of get these random answers along the way. Yeah.
0: But the uh, the real reason why we're hearing this radio broadcast is because police are investigating the disappearance of 20-year-old heiress Pamela Rushworth, daughter of U.S. diplomatic advisor Warren Rushworth. Pamela was last seen in the company of a truck driver in his mid-40s who may be the same man wanted in connection with the disappearance of a missing Melbourne girl. Authorities are denying any connection between the two missing girls and the series of macabre attacks on young female hitchhikers in Queensland and New South Wales. So now we know who Hitch's father is and that the police are still liking Quid as their main suspect. So things are not looking good for our Quid boy. I mean, the police definitely suspect him for these killings, and now
1: we've got the daughter of someone pretty important going missing. Yeah, he's gotten himself into quite the conundrum. Yep. All he needed to do was deliver the piggies. And he just had to pull over. That's why you don't pick up hitchhikers. Third time
0: lucky. Pfft. Pfft. What does Boswell know? Well, later on down the road, Quid spots the green van pulled over at a rest stop, so he gets out with Boswell to investigate. He checks on the van and can see that cooler on the front seat, but it doesn't appear anyone is inside. A loud noise can be heard coming from where Quid parked the truck, and it startles him and Boswell. But Quid hears moaning off in the trees, so he goes to investigate that, but Boswell's more interested in what's happening back at the truck, so he takes off. Meanwhile, Quid is walking through the brush and hears, Oh, Harry! So he just assumes that Hitch and her new traveling companion are getting along just fine, and he goes to leave. As he does, we see what he cannot, which is that the sounds of passion were being made by our just-married couple that Quid saw on the road when he first started this trip, not Hitch and Smith or Jones. He always gives up so easily.
1: Yeah, and I think that's actually something I remember that um, Hitch makes a. a point of in an earlier part where she was like, I don't understand. You keep telling everybody the story and then you don't want to do anything about it. Like you keep bringing this up and then you back off. And that really kind of seems to be his personality where mm-hmm. he, he rushes to a conclusion and then, okay, it's not what I thought it was fine. Yeah. He can be
0: easily swayed one way or yeah, the other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, before he
0: goes back to his truck, Quid decides to smash the window open on the van and check that cooler. Turns out it's just the guy's lunch.
1: Just a hungry
0: guy. Just a hungry guy. So Quid heads back to his truck, where we see Boswell just sitting and staring at the back doors. But does Quid go check? No, of course not. He just calls for Boswell, who comes running, and they both get in the truck and leave. Uh, When Boswell was just sitting there staring at the doors, I hate that.
1: Yeah, no, I don't like it at all.
0: Yeah, because... We heard that sound and, you know, Quid goes off because he hears this moaning, Mm -hmm. these these obvious sounds of passion. So he's going to go check that out. And and Boswell keeps tugging on the leash and barking and gruffing, you Mm -hmm. know, not barking because he doesn't think that Boswell can bark. He's just, you know, obviously interested in something else. And so he just lets off go with the leash and is like, okay, go. Have fun. It's just like, I'm sorry, but if my dog is concerned about a noise that we heard and is still paying attention to that, I think I should be paying attention to that as well.
1: Yeah, something's obviously going on here. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Uh, the dogs have a better sense than we do about their surroundings. Well, Quid, now back on the road, starts waxing philosophical about the perils of women. But soon we start to notice that every time Quid shifts gears, a banging sound can be heard from the back of the truck. So Quid doesn't notice it at first and just starts talking about how he'll need to start taking drugs to get rid of all these hallucinations he's having about all this ridiculous nonsense. When just then, something that looks like an animatronic from Five Nights at Freddy's pops (laughs) up in front of the windshield, scaring the shit out of everyone, including me, as Quid has to slam on the brakes. Turns out it's just a kangaroo in the middle of the road. But when Quid slams on his brakes... Hitch's bag comes flying out from the back and lands on the floor. Realizing that her stuff is still in the car, this makes Quid wonder if maybe Smith or Jones does seduce them first before offing them, thinking, okay, I heard these sounds of passion and I just assumed that Hitch and this guy were getting it on, but maybe that's his M.O. Maybe he seduces him first and then he's going to kill him. So you'd think Quid is going to turn around and go back and try and save her, right? Mm. Nope. (laughs) He just continues driving, but now he starts to hear that thumping sound coming from the back of the truck every time he shifts. So he decides to check it out. So Quid makes his way to the back, climbs in the trailer, and turns on the light, illuminating the long rows of hanging halves of pork, slightly swinging back and forth. He makes his way to the back of the trailer, the part closest to his cab, and approaches the two halves hanging there. He pushes one of them, and it does indeed hit the back of the trailer wall if swung hard enough. But why would it just start doing that now? Also, when he touched the meat, it feels warmer than the other frozen meat around him. We get a close-up of the meat, and I'm pretty sure that pigs don't have full breasts.
1: That doesn't seem something that's common.
0: I mean, I'm, you know, not an expert on pig anatomy. (laughs) Uh, But Quid's not ready to freak out yet, and he pulls the invoice out and compares the count that was loaded to what is now in his truck. He has two more halves than he should. But Quid just thinks this has to have been a mistake, right? And he just gets back on the road. But we hear him have this internal struggle with himself, Was it a mistake? Well, Sam doesn't usually make mistakes. But that meat was frozen, right? Well, uh, I mean, maybe the air must not have been circulating right, and it's heavier, so maybe that's why those warmed up. And he's trying so hard to convince himself that there's not a dead body in the back of his truck. Yeah. When we all know there's a dead body in the back of his truck. (laughs) (laughs) And he just touched it with his hands. He did. And now we're all really worried about what happened to Hitch. Well, next we see Quid is approaching the city of Perth and his final destination, when lo and behold, he comes right up behind Smith or Jones and his green van. And as they pull into town, the green van starts to run out of gas and Quid finally sees his chance to confront the man. But a sign appears for a weighbridge and by law, Quid has to stop to get his cargo weighed. So as Quid pulls in, we see a cop car is posted out front, and the green van comes to a stop a few yards in front of it. Quid gets out and talks to the attendant, who he seems familiar with. The guy goes to wade Quid in, and while Quid watches, the cops get out and help push the green van to a gas station a few hundred yards away. The attendant then comes back and informs Quid that he's 75 kilos over. Mm, just about the weight of a human female body, I think. Hmm. Curious. (laughs) We then see a dog start sniffing around Quid's truck, and the attendant jokes that the extra weight must be from marijuana. Quid jokes, you got me, I confess. We then see Smith or Jones has the green van all gassed up and is headed out. Quinn then says he has to get going and climbs up into the truck and starts to drive away, but the attendant spots something wrapped around Quid's axle and yells at him to stop. He sees it's a bunch of wire and junk and offers to get it off, but Quid's like, "'It'll be fine. I gotta go.'" And the guy's like, "'Really? It'll, it'll just be a second. It's gonna fuck up your rig, dude.'" But again, Quid really just wants to go after the guy in the van, so he's like, "'Yeah, huh, thanks,' and just drives away." The guy's still yelling at him, trying to convince him to stop as he's driving away. Poor guy's just lonely.
1: <laughs> he was like, "I got fresh coffee inside if you want that. I, I, have, I have smiles and happiness inside <laughs> if you want to hang out. Free hugs,
0: <laughs> Danish if you, if you like a Danish.
1: I have all the answers to your mystery inside if you want to come hang out. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Watching the Wire. It's a real good show. <laughs> Season two. <laughs> So interesting fact here regarding the scene where the attendant jokes with Quid that he's smuggling drugs. Just three years later, in 1984, Stacy Keach, who plays Quid, would be jailed in England for nine months for smuggling cocaine. Oh yikes! Yippee Uh Later, and I don't. What did the fuck did I just say? Did I say yippee dipey? <laughs> what is wrong with me right now? I love that. All right. Well, uh, later in 2005, he would play the fair-minded warden Henry Pope in the television series Prison Break, and he has said that he based that performance on the warden of the prison where he served his time. Very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, it was the 80s. Everyone but my mom did cocaine, (laughs) so it's fine. (laughs) Uh, So now, of course, Quid pulls out, and the cops pull out after him and start following him. So you've got the green van, Quid's following the green van, and now the cops are following Quid. And the green van approaches a light and slows as it's turning yellow, but guns it and goes through, forcing Quid to have to run a red light if he wants to keep up, which he does. But there's this weird thing that happens where there just happens to be a cop standing on the corner when Quid runs the red light. So he sees this and writes down Quid's license plate. But then he sees Quid is already being followed by a patrol car who turns on their lights. (laughs) And the cop who was on the sidewalk gets really excited and waves to the (laughs) cop car. It's almost like you can hear him saying,
1: yay, my team's going to (laughs) win. Go, friend, go. (laughs) Yeah, get him. That's my friend. That's my friend.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, by now, Quint has noticed the cops are behind him, but he doesn't care and just keeps following the van, which keeps leading him down these really narrow turns and alleyways. Finally, the van stops at the exit of an alley, forcing Quid to stop, trapping him in the alley, which in turn forces the cops to stop. But they come up a little short, and the front of their patrol car slides under the back of Quid's trailer. Quid tries to get out, but he's in a portion of the alley so narrow, he can't even get either of his doors to open. Meanwhile, Smith or Jones has plenty of room and he gets out of his van with a shovel and walks up to Quid's truck, leers at Quid, and then proceeds to smash out his headlights. Back at the back of the truck, one of the cops has gotten out and is trying to get the front of their cruiser unstuck. The other cop tells him to climb under the truck and get up front to find out what's happening. And so he does, and I'm sure we can all see what's coming... Well, back up front, Smith or Jones is still whacking on the trunk when Quid blows the horn, which startles the guy and makes him drop his shovel. (laughs) It (laughs) reminds me of that vine where the older lady is carrying a jug of water and her daughter honks the horn. (laughs) It's your favorite vine. And she just throws the jug. It makes me laugh so hard every time. It's the best. Oh, it's amazing. Well, the guy starts to walk back to his van, so Quid starts to try to drive forward. But now, as predicted, the cop under the truck gets caught up in all that wire and shit that the way station attendant tried to warn him about. Plus, the police car is still stuck under the back of Quid's trailer, so he's pulling that forward as well. But it isn't long until the taller portion of Quid's trailer gets stuck on something crossing the alley and he can't move forward. He keeps gunning the engine but the truck won't budge if the trailer is stuck. There's so much going on here, the cop is still tangled underneath, the cop car is gunning it in reverse trying to get unstuck from the back, and the green van just fired up and is about to drive off. Quid guns that engine again when all of a sudden the cop car comes loose, sending it flying backwards. The wire and debris the cop under the truck is tangled in somehow gets the trailer to unhitch from the back of the truck, which in turn launches the truck forward into the fucking air where it lands on top of the green van. Oh my God, it was exhausting.
1: It was crazy, but I will say that this scene made me realize that I have a fear of, like, getting my car stuck in, like, a small situation. Uh, I mean, obviously, that should should be something anybody should be scared of. But, like, whenever Quinn is, like, stuck in his truck and he he goes to, like, get out of his door and he realizes he can't open it, and he goes to the other side and tries the other door and everything, and they're stuck there, I was, like, I had this kind of, like, panic moment where I was like, holy shit, like, that would be super scary to, like, be stuck there. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You can't, like, get out of your vehicle. I mean, you're just just fucking stuck. (laughs) Yeah, well, I guess that's when you start smashing a windshield, go out the front, I guess. Yeah, that is very true. But yeah, I was just like, oh, that is something that I guess I'd never really thought about that I guess I kind of have a weird, obscure fear of, but yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, it's a really well-done scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's very suspenseful. I mean, you can kind of see what's going to happen, you know, as soon as that cop climbs underneath, well, you know, he's going to get it all caught and all that shit under there. So... But they still manage to make it really suspenseful, and yeah, kind of scary. The whole being stuck thing—what's he gonna do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's a good suspenseful moment. Yeah, it, it's, it's very kind tense. Of, yeah, it's kind of it's our Hitchcock moment when you've got the bad guy coming after Jimmy Stewart in his wheelchair. Yeah, and he's blinding him with with the flash bulbs. It's a it's a good scene. Well, Quid jumps down out of the cab of the truck with a flashlight and goes over to the front of the van and looks inside. He can see someone covered in a sleeping bag moving around and thinks he's got the guy trapped, but the guy is already out of the van and he comes up behind Quid with another garrote he's made out of a guitar string and tries to get it around Quid's neck to strangle him, but Quid gets that flashlight up in time, leaving enough room that Quid is able to get free. The two then get into an altercation until Quid gets the upper hand, gets Smith or Jones on the ground, pulls the now loose guitar string from around his neck, and puts it around Smith or Jones's neck, and begins to strangle him. But just then, half the police force in Perth shows up and takes Quid into custody. But of course he's all, wait, you've got the wrong guy, it's not me! Then we see a bunch of spectators show up, and wouldn't you know it, a bunch of them are people Quid has encountered along the way. Madeline is there, as well as Sneezy Rider and Captain Careful. I mean, seriously, what are the fucking odds? There is no way. I mean, okay, maybe because you guys are traveling along the same route, sure, you're going to run into each other. But Perth is a pretty big city. And you're all just gonna happen to end up at the end of this alley where all this has gone down. I call bullshit.
1: I just imagine like the police driving through Perth and like with the what are those like a bullhorn thing being like if you if you had any any communication at all with him, follow us. Follow us for justice. Everybody follow us into the alleyway for justice. And so the four people got into one car and all rode with them. Yeah. And and they're all yelling at the police. What a terrible person Quinn they're is. Like, we, we had an interaction with him and we can justify and explain how weird he is.
0: All of Australia is against Quid. They're like, fuck this guy. Well, Madeline claims he tried to throw her off a cliff. Sneezy says he trapped him in a toilet, and the captain's still pissed about that boat. Things are not looking good for Quid. And meanwhile, Smith or Jones is backing away into the crowd and about to get away. But hold up, Paw Patrol puppy pals, here comes Boswell for the win, and that little dingo hops out of the truck, plops down next to the van, and starts barking up a storm. That's right, much to Quid's surprise, his non-barking dingo is suddenly very vocal, and some of the cops come over to check out what he's so excited about. They look in the back of the van and pull out whoever is wrapped up in that sleeping bag, Turns out it's Hitch alive and well, although bound and gagged. The police get her untied. She and Quid are reunited, and the police move in to grab Smith or Jones before he can get away. It is, it is one hell. It's a one hell of a ride. It's
1: one hell of a ride.
0: I mean, it's a nice little. Wrapped up, tied up, ending. And Hitch is alive. We're all so happy. It's the best. It's the best. We got Boswell and Hitch. He's our hero. He's our hero. I love you, Boswell. Boswell for president. (laughs) Well, next we see Quid and Hitch and Boswell walking together down the highway, luggage in tow. Quid is still coming to terms with the fact that Boswell is not a dingo and wondering where he's going to get the $100,000 to pay for all the damage he's caused but he's thinking about headed up north to see if he can get a new job. We then see a semi drive up, and Quid flags it down for the two of them to get a ride. He then tells Hitch, I forgot to tell the police that body they never found. I thought it was you hanging in the back of the truck, but... And his voice trails off as he chuckles. Quick cut to the meat market, where Quid's cargo was delivered... And we see butchers cutting up the meat and selling it to customers. We then follow the camera through the market as they unload the last of the meat off Quid's trailer. The camera then closes in on a cleaning woman with a bucket and a scrub brush washing the floor of the trailer of the truck. As we move in closer, we see a long guitar string hanging down that brushes the woman's head. She reaches up and pulls on the string which then dislodges a woman's severed head that drops into the cleaning woman's bucket as she screams as the trailer doors close and we're left staring at the words Tomorrow's bacon that hitch had written on the back and we hold this shot for the length of the end credits and that's it road games road games what road a ride. games over man so I guess we are to assume that the good people of Perth um
1: ate them some dead hitchhiker. Well, all four of them decided that they preferred <laughs> dead hitchhiker yep. that day and they were like, well this kind of this kind of tastes fine. <laughs> yep. And that's how they all four survived for the rest of Australia time.
0: Yeah, there, there you go. Now, I need to say that the film's ending where the head falls into the bucket, that was an afterthought. The distributors wanted the film to have a more shocking conclusion. So, I mean, it originally just ended with Quid and Hitch just walking off in like getting in that truck yeah and going on with their lives so they went back to shoot the final scene at the butcher shop uh Franklin however dislikes this ending feeling that it was too tasteless I love it yeah I, I enjoy it as well I I think it's great because you know we get this call back to you know well who the if it wasn't hitch who the hell's in the back mm-hmm. obviously this was the hitchhiker uh And it calls back and it makes us remember that, oh, yeah, the body was still in the back. Yeah. And it also made me wonder, okay, well, when Hitch first disappeared and Quid goes off to chase the van down, you know, when she disappears when he was in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And Quid goes off chasing the van and he pulls up behind it and just sees two people sitting there. And just having a conversation. Now, they're not necessarily having a conversation. He pulls up and you can see Smith or Jones is in the driver's seat. And he is talking and keeps turning his head and talking to someone who's in the passenger seat. But that person never moves. So now I'm wondering if that was just the head he had in the cooler I'm wondering if he just got it out and propped it up. Yeah. And so all he's seeing is the silhouette of a head because that head never moves. And then the head would have been gone when Quid busted open the window and opened up the cooler Mm -hmm. because he had just put it all in the trailer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's interesting to think about. Yeah.
0: So I I like the ending. Yeah. I, I like the, the that little extra bit that we get. I, I think it's a cool payoff.
1: Yeah, I do too. Especially like you said, you know, even for the simple fact that we just get a call back to the, the body. Because, yeah, so much happens in that last last act that it is easy to kind of forget about that body that he finds and stuff like that and being able to go back and get that call back to it and get a jump scare out of it. I feel like is really fun.
0: Yeah. Especially in a movie that didn't have a whole hell of a lot of horror in it. Yeah. So it's nice to get that one little thing at the end. That's kind of like, Oh yeah, by the way, this was a horror movie. (laughs) Oh yeah. And boo. (laughs) All right. Well, We got some prompts to get to, which should be pretty interesting, seeing as how this was
1: not a horror movie. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, well, what did you possibly have for your popcorn spiller? So for mine, I kind of just was thinking, like, realistically, what would be, like, super creepy for me. And I really, I did think about that lightning scene, just because I was thinking about, I mean, granted... Hitch does not go and talk to quid. I was thinking, you know if, if realistically, if I was in that situation, if I'm going to go to the bathroom out in the woods, out in the desert, wherever, if there's a storm rolling in, it's dark and lightning strikes, and I see a human, I don't care where they are, yeah, if I'm out there meant to be alone i'm 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 so out of there it's it's ridiculous,
0: yep. And and you got to think of what an odd decision not to tell Quid about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder why it was scripted like that. Yeah, it just
1: it was very bizarre. But yeah. yes, that is horrifying. Yeah, because it thought. just doesn't seem realistic that she yeah. wouldn't go back and say something. But yeah, so that's what I chose for mine. Uh, just because I thought, like realistically, that would be really fucking creepy for me. Yeah. <laughs> I would jump out of my skin and be like, "We have to drive fifty three miles away from here," and then. Never come back ever. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you choose for your popcorn spiller?
0: I ended up going with uh, when that kangaroo animatronic Five Nights at Freddy thing jumped up in Quid's windshield. Yeah. It was so fast, and it's if you pause it, it's some sort of creepy fake thing that they made. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why it's right up in the windshield, because... When we see the kangaroo, it's down on the ground. Yeah, it's, it's like not, not
1: even really facing.
0: No, and I think what the deal is, at that moment, he's thinking about this, you know, that Hitch has disappeared. And now he's questioning that, thinking, oh, he's she's left me to hang out with him. Maybe I was wrong about this. And he's kind of thinking that he's hallucinating things. He's been driving for so long, and they keep saying, Oh, you're past due pulling over and stuff. So I think that was supposed to be like part of this quote unquote hallucination. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe we were supposed to also kind of start doubting with Quid whether or not this guy really was a murderer like they did in Rear Window. Because that was a big struggle is, you know, Jimmy Stewart was not sure what he had actually seen Because the windows were down. He just knows this wife has disappeared. So it's all pure speculation. But in this movie, we're privy to the murder. We watch it happen. So there's never this question of whether or not the guy actually did it for the audience. So we don't question it like Quid does. So I, I didn't understand the whole you know, worrying about his hallucinations and they're always so concerned with his pulling over and they keep talking about, uh, all these truckers are known to take drugs and they hallucinate things because they're trying to stay awake and stuff. And it, it just seems like they were trying really hard to push that narrative on us when I was like, I don't understand why you're doing that when we already know for a fact that this guy did murder her. So I don't know. It was, it was weird.
1: Yeah. But it, it is an interesting scene. And I was, uh, it was funny because it happened so, it happened so fast. Like you said, when we were watching it on the TV, I actually almost missed it. Uh, so I made sure to pay attention to it the, the second time I watched it. And um, I kind of like actually ended up rewinding it because I was like, surely that didn't look like a Chuck E. Cheese animatronic. <laughs> so I <laughs> rewound it and I was like, oh, no, it does. It does. All right,
0: It's weird.
1: But it got me, man. It jumped up and it's like,
0: holy, what the fuck is that thing? What are we doing now? So, who did you have for your scene stealer? Man, I really enjoyed Madeline. I, I know she turned on Quid, but Quid's an idiot. I mean, he <laughs> just did not handle things well. But I love their interaction together. Even when she got paranoid, he was nuts and had her little hairspray out. She was good comic relief and well played by uh,
1: the late Marion Edwards. She did a really good job. Yeah, I agree. I, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed just just their simple interactions and conversations. So what about you? What'd you who'd you have for your scene stealer? Um, I chose Hitch, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but primarily my reason was just because, like, I I kept wanting more. Yeah, uh, and I think that was just because, uh, you know, a good chunk of the movie she's kidnapped. <laughs> uh, so or not even there. I mean,
0: we wait a long time yeah. just for him to pick her up, and we get her for maybe ten minutes of the
1: movie, and yeah. then she's gone. Yeah, but uh, I and I think it was just because like i hadn't heard of this movie before so it was super exciting to see jamie lee curtis in this and so i think in my head i'd been like man i'm so stoked to kind of jump into a new jamie lee curtis film that i've never heard of and then she's so hyped up in the in the trailer and everything and then yeah like you said we only get a few minutes of her so i kind of kept being like well well, surely she's gonna pop back up here okay okay well surely she'll be here (laughs) No, okay, well, sometimes she'll pop back up, and she does, so. And she does,
0: but it's the very last moments
1: of the film. But, you know, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. You still can't go wrong, so. Yeah, we'll take what we can get. Yeah. All right, well, uh, there's not not a whole lot to choose from here, but I'm real curious what you had for your gorgasm. So, uh, for mine, not necessarily, I guess, uh, like, all-out gore like we have in other horror movies. Like we said, the gore is pretty light in this one. Uh, But I will say during the scene, whenever Quid and Green Killer Dude finally do meet up and they're, like, fighting it out and everything, whenever Quid um, is, like, taking the lead in the fight and he's kind of Uh, on on top of green van guy he has them and he's like taking his head and bashing it into the grate Mm -hmm. on the ground it looks pretty fucking realistic and i literally felt myself being like ow ow (laughs) shit dude there's people watching you do this like you need to calm down and so like i think to be able to make it look so realistic that i'm sitting there kind of like reacting to it physically is is good acting good effects Mm -hmm. and then whenever he does lift up his head his his face is pretty bloody and bad bashed up so yeah i mean all in all for the light gore that we get i thought that scene was genuinely just well done because i was physically reacting to it
0: yeah i know i remember thinking that as well there's a pretty decent sound effect that goes along with it that sells it so i thought that was well done too so what about for you I ended up going with the body chopped in half in the back of Quid's truck. Yeah. Uh, that looked a little too real.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: Because yeah. it is cut in half. You see it. That is obviously a breast. So now we know this is a, a person. And then he turns it to the side, and you see the inside. You can see the breastplate and the ribs. And it is, it's really, really well done. Yeah,
1: it really is. And it's creepy because when he first touches it, in your mind you're thinking it's a pig so Mm -hmm. yeah you don't really think about anything so in my head when he he touches it and then he wipes his hand on his jacket because he's freaked out by the temperature Mm -hmm. but in my head i'm like oh it's like pig grease like i thought he was like wiping off the grease or something yeah and so when i realized it's a human i was like oh nope he's wiping off nope that's different (laughs) he just just freaked out and i'm freaked out this is different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it is really, really unnerving. And you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. Just
1: sends like shudders in your whole body. Just the thought of like touching that is just no thank you.
0: Yeah. And, and there's also a scene where, you know, as he's approaching it and walking up to it, we can see it a farther away and you see kind of the backside of it and the way the skin is loose on It's just... It is it looks real. Yeah, I'm sorry. it just it looks a little too real for me. It, <laughs> it's really well done. I was impressed.
1: So I guess that leaves our memorable mortality and I know we have so many to choose from. <laughs> so who did you choose?
0: Well, you know, out of all of them, it was so difficult to narrow it down, but I I suppose it had to be the hitchhiker at the beginning, even though we don't really see the actual murder. but it's the only mortality we have. So yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, It's just that one. So winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah. Same. I mean, I will, I will say, you know, obviously you, you talked about the sound effects really upping the the whole ambiance of Mm -hmm. the kill. Uh, And I will say if we got to see it, the action of it seems pretty cool. I mean, the fact that he's doing this with like a guitar string mm-hmm. seems pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I would have liked to see like that kind of in action. So it does kind of suck that it cuts away, but you know, a lot of it's cool. So I think the premise is neat enough. If that's all we're going to get. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the imagination is much worse than yeah. what they can come up with. So that leaves us with our last question, which is dead zone or vault.
0: Well, you know, not because I think this is a mad movie. It was fine. I got to put it in the dead zone. Only because it's not horror. Yeah. This is not horror. I cannot, in good faith, say that I'm going to recommend this to someone if I'm trying to recommend a good horror movie about, you know, bad road trips. Yeah. Because it's just not a horror movie. If I wanted to recommend a decent suspense thriller, hell yeah, check this one out. It was super fun. I had a great time. Performances were great. There was some good comedy in there, surprisingly enough. I had a good time with this one, but it's not a horror movie.
1: Yeah, and I think at the very least it is nice to be able to see the foundation for the movies that we've got to gotten to explore throughout this month. I yeah. mean, two creators of two of the movies we've, we've explored have... You know, giving credit to this movie. So, I mean, it takes just a simple pre- premise of, you know, this cat and mouse chase on the road that led to crazy gore and crazy car chase effects and fights and everything in into other good movies that we've talked about already this month. So, mm-hmm. you know... Like you said, the imagination can do crazy things and that's all it takes is one simple idea. So, yeah, I mean, as simple of an idea and as simple of a movie as this is, in the grand scheme of things, it led to bigger things. And so for that, we got to be thankful. But yeah, I agree. I think it's not it's definitely not a horror and we we couldn't, you know, put it in the vault because of that. It just doesn't feel feel right, especially like you said, if you're wanting to recommend a movie to somebody that's looking for a good horror Yeah, This isn't a horror.
0: This isn't going to be it. Yeah. And, you know, quite frankly, if I'm going to recommend a movie like this, the first one I'm going to recommend is going to be Rear Window. Go watch Rear Window. That's an excellent movie. Uh, But, you know, this is not a bad remake on that premise. And uh, I'd say check it out if you like the suspense thriller. Otherwise, if you're looking for some horror, you're not going to get it here. There's no point.
1: Road games.
0: Road games. Uh, Boswell rocks, though, and I will fight to the death to protect him.
1: Yeah, for sure. I will die on Boswell Hill. Can we put Boswell in the vault? Uh, No, he will ride with us in the Winnebago. Okay, that works. Cool.
0: Well, that's going to do it for us. Episode 36 is... In the can. In the can. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Dead Zone Drive-In on your favorite listening platform. And if you're looking for a way to support us, we would be so grateful if you would leave a rating and or review. And if you screenshot that review and send it to us, we're going to send you your very own Dead Zone Drive-In sticker for free. That's
1: no money's honey. You
0: can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at deadzonedrivein at gmail.com.
1: And if you want to reach us by snail mail, our address is P.O. Box 12665 Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73157. And if you want to hang out with us and fellow late night weirdos, check out the show notes for links to our socials and our Facebook group, the Dead Zone Drive-In Discussion Room. Lastly, for next week's screening, we'll be wrapping up our travels with the 2003 horror thriller Dead End. So if you want to check out that trailer, don't worry, we've got you. The link is also down in the show notes and a big thank you to our house band slime and the maggot boob they put the lime in the coconut who knew i didn't see it coming it was it was mind blowing honestly <laughs> i haven't quite recovered if i'm if i'm going to be honest <laughs>
0: And remember, if you're looking for the dead zone and want to join us for a weekend screening, if you've listened to this episode in its entirety, you'll have been provided with all the information you need. Don't forget your tickets. Good night, folks, and please
1: buckle up. We'll be waiting for you. And so I know that there's carrot chunks in that harmonica.
0: <laughs> well, my question is... When he plays, should we expect to see tiny bits of carrot (laughs) shoot out from one side of the harmonica?
1: Yeah. Just playing his little carrot tunes. (laughs) Carrot (laughs) tunes. He's just trying to serenade the ladies, and there's just bits of carrots falling out the other side. (laughs) That's that's my veggie music. (laughs) I will play
0: you the sounds of my people. you listen to rock and roll? No, I'm vegan. I only uh, listen to the vegetable music. (laughs) You ever thought of humming a potato? Let's not get crazy. (laughs) Let's not get crazy with our root vegetables, all right? (laughs) One veggie at a time. We'll work our way up.
1: (laughs) And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage